Hi, everyone. Welcome to Building Authentic Relationships in Business. Today, I'm excited. I have one of my dear friends, people that I respect greatly, Shelly Starks. Um, Shelly and I, we're going to talk about whatever we talk about, but I promise it's about building authentic relationships. Um, Shelly, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? All right. Well, thank you, Jeff, for having me on. I always enjoy coming on and speaking with you. Um, I am Shelly Stark, C CEO and President of Inline Consulting Services, LLC. Um, the heart and soul of that consulting work is communications coaching. I have been a behavioral analysis coach for over 20 years. It seems weird to say that, but I am so happy that I am now moving into authentically being me, leaving a corporate job and actually launching out to help people in the communication sector. I love it. Now you asked me, um, I asked you what questions you'd like to ask. We're going to jump in. Um, what was your birth name? My birth name, most people, this is a, this is an icebreaker because no one ever gets it. Have you ever been in one of those rooms where they're like, all right, tell us something about you. And then we have to figure out who it is and then go find that person in the room. Uh -huh. Ever played that icebreaker game? I so try to avoid icebreaker games, but that's, <laughs> that's just me. Every single one that I've ever played like this, Jeff, I have won it because no one ever guesses it. So my birth name is actually Carrie Michelle Underwood. So my birth name is Carrie Underwood. No way. So um, were you famous before she was or did she steal your name? Well, I definitely have a few years on her. So I would I would like to say that I was famous before her, but not the way that she is. Um, however, I've been really thankful that it's, that's who it is. That's representing our name out there in, in the world. So. I love it. I love it. That is, <laughs> I would never have guessed that. Um, nope. Most people don't. I mean, I end up, you know, Michelle is the middle name. So Shelly comes from Michelle and then my last name changed with my first marriage to start. So Shelly Starks, it is. And people never, never really realize that. I usually have to show them my my high school yearbook picture to prove it i love it i will take your word for it it's it's so random i don't think you'd make it up um, now shelly you and i've had many conversations and it almost always talks about you know we come back to communication and community building um you know i think before we started recording um sorry everyone you missed a lot of randomness that Shelly and I talk about but you know we got to have some fun on our own before we share with the world um we're going to figure it out but I feel like we're going to talk about communication because I don't know how to build an authentic relationship without good communication is that a fair assessment it is a fair assessment but I think the very first thing that has to happen is that you have to have something um that you relate somehow like in order for those defensive dates gates to go down there has to be something relatable so whether that's you you know come to the same part in the christmas store and are looking at the same ornaments at the same time or you're at a restaurant and you have the exact same meal or somebody introduces you and you just love that person the both of you love the person that introduced you there's usually something that is human a human connection somewhere that makes it more authentic in that in that conversation. And 
once that happens, then once you start looking at their behavioral style and trying to talk to them in a style that's, you know, comfortable to them, I think that's where the relationship starts to build. I I think that we've lost a lot of that in our electro, or, you know, doing digital communication where we don't really read body language as well. We we can multitask when we're on these calls. We're doing all these different things and mm-hmm. and it's not really an undivided attention thing. And I feel like people love having their undivided attention. Like somebody having that undivided attention and giving that to them helps them feel like that's a connection that they're not getting anywhere else. I love that. And I think that's, um, you know, I talked to a lot of amazing people. Esther Deutsch introduced you and I. Um, One of her big aha moments, which was we both discovered it together, was the best networkers are very self-aware. And and Mm. I think that's, you know, one of the things that fascinates me is how can you be a good connector if you're not self-aware? How can you build relationships (laughs) if you don't know what you want, what you are? Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think the the biggest challenge there, and that really goes back to the emotional intelligence level, that awareness is an emotional intelligence level. Um, if you are going into a networking conversation, I have a firm rule. That rule is when I go into a networking call, it is not for me to get something from that call. It is for me to offer something to that call And if the stars align and that person and I connect at a different level, you know, and and are able to really kind of continue a conversation and the time flies by, typically it's beneficial for both people. But my initial goal is to get on and make sure that I can connect them with somebody in my network. I think that starts with an awareness of how that makes somebody else feel, how it, it actually helps grow their business. That awareness is not something I'm like, you know, saying, oh, look at me for that. But I've noticed to your point that the the best networkers are the ones that have a higher awareness and a higher, you know, emotional intelligence level that want to help people succeed. Yeah. And and I think with I remember our first conversation was like, no, no, no. Who can I introduce you to? No, no, no. (laughs) We my (laughs) favorite conversations are how do we outgive each other? I mean, that's it's a game for me and that's where networking can be fun. So um, it is fun. Let, let's talk first about, um, I know your background, you, you are an expert in disc and extended disc. Um, I am fascinated by personality profiles or communication style profiles. I love self-assessment or assessment <laughs> tools um, because not only does it help me be better, um, our mutual friend Hamish, um, he is amazing, and he can read people and say, "You're." I, I have trouble remembering what the the things stand for. Um, somebody came out with a disc for kids, and you know, you had to remember if they were a puppy or a cat. And I'm like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> but the letters just—I don't know. My brain doesn't register them. Um, yeah. I can't be bothered with the detail. Um, my favorite latest thing is the OBA. Mm-hmm. Um, but what lessons did disc and extended disc, and, and we'll talk about the difference here in a second, um, but what lessons has that taught you as you become a communications coach and you're helping people communicate better? I think the, uh, that 
the biggest aha moment was that, you know, you, we run around with all this stuff in our head, like these tapes that are playing in our head. And we have this idea of how things should be depending on how you were raised, the, you know, the belief system that you had from your family and you run around thinking, well, if I'm thinking this, everybody else is thinking this way. Right. And unfortunately, if you live your life that way, you're only going to be wrong about 60% of the time. We talked about that the last time. So, you know, the, the aha moment was, oh my gosh, people think differently than I do. They also process information differently. They handle stressful situations different. They have different, you know, pieces of information that have come in that make them feel a certain way that they have to portray a certain image of themselves, even if that's not authentically their behavioral style, they've been receiving messages that that's how they should be communicating. And so this is like an iceberg conversation, Jeff, because if you're looking at just, just their behavioral style, and not to mention the fact that no one is just one style, you're a mix of different styles. It's just a predominant style and then maybe one or two others that kind of filter in based on how you know you have received information out there. I love that. And I think um, I did DISC way, way back when. And um, it was interesting because I was in a role that was very much people oriented this is funny to some people but it was very people oriented and i was naturally a quiet introvert and i just wanted to be the accountant in the back office doing the books and i kept getting put into client meetings and i remember they showed it was um your your natural style versus your adaptive style at work and i was like literally i was like polar opposites on the profile and they're like oh jeff's gonna snap Yeah. And that's a great way to put it because it's called being extended. So if you are receiving messages that you need to be a certain style in order to be the most effective in a role, um, then sometimes that forces you to go, you were looking at, you know, a people oriented role, but maybe you wanted to be in a task oriented role instead. And so you were in constant conflict every day for where you wanted to live because that's what was comfortable and what you had to do in a role that you were placed in. And so unfortunately what happens, this, I talk about this all the time with turnover and churn at, with your people, is that you really wanna identify those roles as it relates to what style it is that that would be the most effective in that role and hire to that. Now I don't necessarily do the recruiting piece but I do give them some insights to be able to help with that and you'd be surprised how many times they hire the same the same behavioral style, just a different name for that role, and they just can't understand why it's not working. We can't you hire know? good people, or you know, it's they, always or they're hiring with their gut. You've yep. got all these tools out there that we didn't have years ago that you can utilize that help you understand the person that you're interviewing. And extended disc is just one of them, to your point. Colby is another one. You know, there's a lot out there. Um, I just happen to really like extended disc because it does show us where people are extended um, as opposed to putting them in a role where they would they would flourish. Well, and, you know, it's funny because I'm very much analytical and strategic and I realized um, I'm very, very patient 
to most people. They they perceive me as beyond patient because I'm always curious. I'm always asking questions. Um, but I realized on the Colby A, I'm what they call a high quick start. Um, I've already moved on to execution before most people understand the instructions. And it's like, can you explain it to me? And I used to take the time. And now it's like, no, no, I can't. And people get offended by that. And I'm like, it's not that I can't. It's just I don't know that you're capable of receiving it. And I don't know that I want to waste our time teaching you how I do something um, when we can create a process so that neither of us has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can create a process to do that, I think that understanding that style of the person you're talking to and how to say that so that it's yes <laughs> not offensive you know is also key um because you know yeah there are things that we want to do there's things that we have to do and then there are things that other people can do for us and so trying to figure out where those categories lie in your life especially as a a leader in an organization you know or a leader of a company like you are an entrepreneur um, and you work with all these different people, knowing where you want to spend your time and where you don't want to spend your time, probably more importantly, where you don't want to spend your time um, and on the types of things you don't want to do is is really key. And And that's been all the difference in the world for me is just figuring out, um, for me personally, it's not right or wrong, you know, if I feel a certain way but it's just how do I communicate this without coming across because I've been told I'm as subtle as a sledgehammer and sometimes <laughs> I kind of come across as a bit of a you know I charge through I bring in the the bulldozer when maybe you know a wheelbarrow would have been a good idea but you know I get stuff done and usually people thank me um sometimes they throw things at me in the process but um <laughs> I want to talk about something. So for those of you who don't know me, when I meet somebody um, that I like, something always sticks in my brain. And I remember the first time you and I met, you were talking about your daughters and how they were applying DISC in their personal relationships. And I feel like we'd be remiss. And again, this is not a pitch for go out and do DISC. This is learn how you communicate, learn how to recognize how others communicate um, in in intimate relationships, I know for a fact, if I'm present and aware, my wife and I never fight. But if I'm not paying attention, we don't fight so much as just it's friction. And it's like, God, that mm -hmm. was pointless. Um, so I try to, you know, take a breath, try to be present. <clears throat> um, would you be willing to share your aha moments with your daughters and their boyfriends? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is to understand you're dealing with not just behavioral styles. I mean, you're dealing with at the time that we really went full head in as a blended family, our girls were teenagers. So there's a lot of teenage things going on there. They were only children originally. We had to make them share a bathroom. That was always a, a oh bone my God. contention. Um, and then their opposite behavioral styles. And so the way they communicated were very, was very, very different. And so I knew that I, I had to create something and using, I could, I couldn't believe this aha moment that I had, right. Where 
this is what I coach. I'm like, okay, now my family is now going to be the, the, the client, you know? And it was difficult in the beginning because we had to sit down and have some, you know, you have emotions run high in your family dynamic. Um, and so I had to just kind of say, okay, you know, to Jay, to Abigail, to Brittany, Hey, we got to sit down. We have to figure this out. So I assessed everybody. I printed out all of the reports I could possibly print out so that I could point out different things to them. And as soon as they started noticing, oh yeah, these things are what makes us different. They were able to say, okay, maybe I need to approach that conversation differently with my sister, or maybe I need to approach that differently with our daughter, right? Because she might have been more literal. We talked about this a minute ago. I had one, I have one that's really literal. And when you, you know, say inference, anything in an inference, she doesn't get it. It just goes right over her head, you know, and you could be saying every inference in the world that could mean something to you and I, but to her, it just is not, not information she can take in. And so learning that, okay, I need to actually just say to her, please take out the trash. Not boy, that trash isn't going to take itself out. I mean, this is not, no, no, it won't. No, she's like, no, it won't. Like, but that doesn't mean Abigail go do it. Right. And so I, I just had to learn and I had to teach my family, how are we going to communicate in a way that's going to actually resonate with them? So it doesn't have to be huge shifts. It's just a little bit of a shift. And then as they got older, they started using this in their own life with their boyfriends, with their work, you know, their boss and their coworkers and their friends, And I just love now that they're old enough to come back and talk and tell me how impactful this has been and that they really think that everyone should learn this tool. And to be honest with you, that was something that really spurred my transition last year from corporate America to really launch out and help small businesses learn to communicate. Well, I love that because I I realize my my youngest is captain literal i mean he is smart as a whip he can tell you you know where the origin he actually can explain um the origin of the universe and the big bang theory better than anybody i know but if you say you know that's not going to clean itself he'll look at you and say no it's not and he walks past it and my (laughs) wife and i are like wait but that's the aha moment is you know you got to recognize and and i think that's one of my favorite things, um, by the way, my boys have taught me more in, about communication as a father than than anything else in my life. But, you know, when you really care about a relationship, you need to be really clear in that that conversation and, and making sure, you know, it's not the other person's job to receive what I want to teach or share. It's my job to communicate it. Yeah. Absolutely. And if it's not working, do something different. Yeah. If you notice that there's that friction, if you notice that your hat, it's constantly, you know, not working out the way that you would want it to work out. I mean, you've got to find other ways. That's that awareness we were talking about, Jeff. Like when someone has this awareness about, oh, okay, I need, I clearly, this is not working. And maybe I, the thing I'm in control of, which is me, not them. I'm only in control of me and my feelings. How can I adjust so that this conversation goes smoother? You didn't get to choose your family. You know, I mean, this is who you, this is who you landed with. So, 
you can you can either make it make it uncomfortable forever and have a disjointed relationship or you know learn how to to communicate better with them so that there could be better better synergies between you yeah and, and i think that's you know personally i like to solve puzzles and human beings are my favorite puzzle because um you know we all think we understand you know and I, I had an aha moment. I want to share this with you, Shelly, because I feel like this is really, really timely. Um, I had this aha moment. We live in a community that has a lot of ethnic diversity. And I, I'm talking a lot of English as a second language. Definitely, there's a lot of different cultures. And the management, it, it's kind of weird, but the management team is predominantly um They've been in Canada, their third or fourth generation, their European descent. Um, I had this aha moment that how much of their friction is just because the per, poor ESL people don't fully get the nuances of what management's saying. And management's getting frustrated because their employees aren't doing their things. And I'm like, I, I feel like there's a new role needed in in you know any large organization just cross-cultural translations yeah i agree it it is it's difficult because it's not just about I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't we said it was just about a behavioral style it's not because you've got a lot i mean as humans we're very very complex right yeah and you've got dialects and then you've got languages is one thing dialects is another culture is another um, even, even, you know, crossing from, you know, Canada and the U.S., there's some cultural things, right, that are different. There's different phrases that mean different things. And especially if the emotions run high in any kind of situation, now you're throwing a whole nother layer of complexity onto that conversation on top yeah. of all of the things we just talked about. And, and I mean, that's a big example, but it just like, I remember, you know, I grew up in a, in a predominantly German neighborhood and it was even dialects between, you know, somebody from the black forest area versus somebody from like, you know, these people spoke the same language, but with different cultural markers. And I, I just find it fascinating how, we spend so much of our lives with other human beings and yet we get so little actual deliberate training around how do we communicate? Yeah, I agree. And it's, it should be part of what I consider to be just like elementary level, um, you know, study. It's important that we learn history. It's important that we learn math. It's important that we learn science. It's, I mean, it's important. All of that is important but we forget that all of it resonates from a human connection or communication between people. So how do we get to that point where we have more self-awareness that the person in front of us is not like us and that it's okay? That's another big thing. It's okay that they're not like you. It's okay that they don't think like you. It's okay that they do not agree with you. But it doesn't mean you can't have a, an actual conversation and get along in that in that you know scenario at work or wherever at home. Um, you know, if you're learning how to adapt to that person's style and then maybe being more empathic or em empathetic to what the what their feelings are around that. I I don't pretend that that's the answer to everything, but I do know we have to start somewhere. 
it can't hurt in any possible way, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, Shelly, I'm going to share something for the universe because the world doesn't know think that I'm nerdy enough. Um, would you believe that I've discovered that I love working with artificial intelligence? And believe it or not, it's helping me be a better communicator because one of the patterns I notice is they, they've programmed better communication in than we have with most humans. And um, I want people just to pay attention to, if you're ever in an AI, um, when you give it an instruction, it replays back, here's what I think you want, is this correct? And I'm just going to say that it's amazing how much you can get done when you're not yelling at somebody because why did you skip step three? And they're like, what's step three? Whereas... So I'm practicing, believe it or not, this is Jeff's observation. Um, I'm a better human communicator with my kids, with my wife, um, because I've been practicing with AI. So just as a way, wow. if you don't want to practice on a human, AI literally teaches you exactly what to do. Well, and there's all kinds of tools out there where if yeah. you want to learn about, you know, behavioral styles, you can go out and just get the basics on all of that. There's also um, plugins that you can put on LinkedIn profiles, on Facebook profiles that helps you kind of hone in. It's not an end-all be-all, but it helps you hone in on to what their behavioral style might be based on what they actually post and how they communicate that. Um, so there's all kinds of tools that are coming that I think are going to, you know, if we use them and don't don't say, oh, I'm not going to, you know, participate in that because it's just it's too crazy out there. I don't like the AI world. Um, use it to your advantage. And, you know, I, I know that there are lots of companies that are using these plugins um, and I don't have any one in particular that I promote, but it definitely is a good start for, you know, opening dialogue with somebody. I love it. And that's the thing. I mean, my advice to people is play with AI. And then once you're comfortable, start to practice on real humans, because um, at some point, you know, we're going to have power outage of global proportions. You know, we're going to have to sit around the campfire. God forbid, talk to our neighbors because, you know, the Wi-Fi mm -hmm. is down. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to talk to a human Um I, I know somebody in their 20s that they get really nervous publicly. Um, they text their mom to ask if dinner's ready. It's like, oh, my God. Get off your t phone. Come down. Say, hi, mom. How was your day? Um, can I help you make dinner? Not mom, dinner. So what I'm hearing you say is there has to be balance, right? So there's yeah. an AI tool that you can utilize for that, but then we can't lose the personal touch and we've got to really learn to communicate, you know, in person as well. Yeah. And for the record, I once texted my kid and then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not <laughs> that guy. So yeah. I texted and said, could you please come here? I don't want to shout, but, um, you know, so we could have a face to face. Um, now, Shelly, I'm going to run out of time here, but I could talk to you all day. Um, what are some practical things you'd suggest? Um, I'm a big fan of community uh, for people who are looking to, you know, I'm not talking about people who just started networking. I'm talking about people who are really good at networking and they want to get really better at it. Um, what are some of your favorite tips, you know, a couple just to get people started and moving forward in that direction? 
One of the things that I always suggest is when you have a one-to-one, make sure you're getting the most out of that one-to-one. Don't just have a one-to-one just for the sake of having it. Um, and, and one of the ways that I do that is not only am I always looking to see how I can help them with my network in that conversation, but ask them what other tools they've found recently that are helping them in their business. And then the second thing is to ask them, you know, basically, are there any groups or networking, you know, opportunities that you've seen that are actually you know, really beneficial for the type of business that you're in. And the reason I do that is because I have discovered that there are so many things out there that I didn't even know existed. And when someone tells me about it and I go and check it out and ends up being a resource, if I hadn't asked, I would have never found it. So those are my two tips for for maximizing your networking opportunities. I love it. Well, I want to point out for those listening, this is very meta. I'm going to break the fourth wall. But the whole point of this interview series is to connect great people with great people. Um, Shelly, how can somebody connect with you? And why would they connect with you? What would you two talk about? I want to make that first one-to-one a little more productive than Shelly. Shelly, tell me what you do. Well, so you can reach me at ShellyStarks.com. The email is just Shelly at ShellyStarks.com. There's a Calendly link that's out there um, as well to book a 15 or 30 minute one-to-one. And probably the most um, beneficial thing would be for you to come to the the one-to-one and, you know, really want to tell us, tell me exactly who it is that you look to connect with, not just for a prospect, but who you look to connect with in a networking situation, like how you want to grow your network. Because that's the, that's a question that I ask every single person. How, who can I connect you in my network? Because I have such a large network that it would make the most bang for the buck, the COI, the networking group, whatever it is, just come prepared to be able to know, you know, what it is that you look for. It's not just, I can sell to everyone because you can't. Yeah. And my, my follow-up to that, Shelly, is if you don't know who you are, please don't ask me to figure it out. I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's so true. So well, true. Shelly, I want to thank you for hanging out with me and I'll make sure your details are in the, in the show notes and in the ultimate book. So thank you. Thank you, Jeff.